So you're feeling a little wound up. Things might be getting to you a little in the media or the world or life. Well, we all need to de-stress, and uh, hopefully that's what this episode is about. It's how to de-stress. And I've got the little stuffed Grogu over here, and he's helping me. He smiles at everything, so he's great. There's nothing quite like a little Grogu smiling at you no matter what you do to at least begin a good de-stressification program, if I do say so myself, and I am. PQ Ribber, in case you didn't know that. You knew that, of course. And uh, we're here on the Overnightscape Central, the show where everybody gets to have their say or had the chance to. And uh, at the end of this show, there'll be yet another topic posited, and you will have your chance to have your say in this unique and ongoing series of internet transmissions, courtesy of the Overnightscape Underground ONSUG ONSUG system that provides us with this huge repository and ongoing voice in this crazy world. And with us this week, we have Chad Bowers of the Incredible True Facts of Space, and we have our founder and uh, that, that kind of my boss, I, my podcast boss, Frank Edward Nora, to uh, add their two cents. And like I say, you could have been here. Every opportunity has been offered, and the offer is open for a follow-up to this topic, or what we posit for next week, which you'll find out at the very end of of this recorded transmission coming into your ears at this very moment, no matter where you are in time and space. And uh, with that, uh, let's hand the uh, ears of you over to Chad Bowers and uh, de-stress. It is forbidden for stress to interrupt your duties of consumption and of output. If you find that stress is present, then take action immediately. You must act now to remove the stress, taking care of your long-term mental and physical health as required, pursuant to Freedom Initiative 66. If you see someone who appears to be stressed, it is required that you report them at once to a designated authority figure. You could always medicate yourself into sleep. However, there isn't always time to take a nap. So here are ways to reduce stress in five minutes or less. Number one, breathe. can help lower your blood pressure and your heart rate. Try nostril restrictions. Wadded up tissues placed in one nostril is an old yogic method. It involves breathing through only one nostril at a time. It relieves anxiety. The technique works in the same way acupuncture does. Only, instead of needles, a trained person and ancient Chinese secrets, it puts toilet paper directly into your nose and 
requires that you find a way to relax while breathing through one nostril. By limiting the pathways that the air is able to enter your body, we gain control and mastery over the oxygen, and we tame it to our will. Number two, listen to music. If you listen to music while making bread or baking a small cake, it can sometimes make all the various things seem all right. Start with Floyd Kramer and a nice vanilla orange bunt. If you're in a public place, forget the cooking. Wait till you get home and you're all alone. Adjust your Walkman to deliver music to your ears. Classical music can be especially relaxing before bedtime, particularly if you don't understand what the song is about. Try eating a small amount of candy. Remove all footwear. If you can't get the music to play, then hum the Colonel Bogey March and think of England. Number three, way to quickly and legitimately reduce stress. Take a quick walk. When you're feeling overwhelmed or having trouble concentrating, go out for one of those quick strolls around the block. Look around for the number of things you can see. Three wheelbarrows, four telephone poles, two fire hydrants, two mailboxes, two stray cats, one daylight moon, one cloud, three stamps. If you find five of any item, then your stress will mutate into a mania punctuated by debilitating laughter and vast amounts of nasal drainage. You'll get the benefits of alone time, counting, as well as a few minutes to gather your thoughts. Use caution if you see signs of horseplay. The number four, ways to de-stress. Find the sun. Take just a minute here to breathe. It's been a very uh, eventful day of moving things around and writing things and clicking on buttons and arranging things. Find the sun. If it's a sunny day, head on outside for an easy way to lift your spirits. The sun, our sun, should continue to burn for billions of years, whatever that means. Bright light can be an effective treatment for people who suffer from anxiety and or depression. It can even cheer up the recently deceased. The sun helps your body create vitamin D, 
as well as small cancerous growths demonstrate the miracle of cellular growth and integrity. If you have a magnifying glass, then perhaps you will be able to start small fires, which can be used to start larger fires. Once you've created the correct size fire, you will experience a type of total release, the type of total release required to escape your stress. Number five, give yourself a hand massage. Well, there's no professional masseuse around. Might as well try DIYing it, a massage using your own hands. This instant relaxation can calm a pounding heart. Hands themselves can carry a lot of tension in them. Apply some lotion and start kneading the base of the muscle under the thumb. It relieves stress. Relieves it in the shoulders, the neck, the scalp. You should make small concentric circles around the pole as well as its antipode. The antipode corrects, connects directly to the amygdala. Their sacs within the central cerebral hemisphere. The amygdala sacs can be directly stimulated by a good swift knock to the head. Use your hands to wield a firm item such as a rolling pin and apply a simple beating about the temples. Don't forget to apply lotion to your entire body. Your skin might be dry. This might not be stress at all. It could be just dry skin. Dry skin sends imposter signals to the brain. They mimic the stress signal. Number six, count backward. Oh, count backward, nice to see you here. I didn't know you were coming this year. We always enjoy your presence, count backward. When worries are running rampant, try slowly counting to 10 and then back down again to calm yourself down to find your unique stress number. Everyone has their own stress number. Negative numbers can bring the quickest relief, so don't be afraid to take that trip below zero. It's hard to freak out about an upcoming job or an exam, interview, when you're busy experimenting with the effects provided by various numbers. Some people find comfort in primes, while others resort to making up their own numbers or even their own counting systems. Four sighs out loud, 30 heartbeats in your throat, two flashes of light, a dog hacking up a piece of mulch. Dracula equals 77, diapers equals 4, rose-tinted glasses, 24. These are ways to reduce stress in your life. Number seven, stretch. Standing up for a quick stretch can relieve muscle tension, help you relax during a stressful workday. 
Try a shoulder roll or a chest opening stretch right from your chair. You know, your body is made up of thousands of little piles and they sag into each other resulting in friction that you feel as stress. Rolling your shoulders, it sorts the piles into little ordered collections and allows your limbic system to concentrate on keeping you well balanced. Hydration is required for this to work. One should drink eight ounces of water per hour to lubricate your voltaic piles and reduce both friction and sag. A good stretch is equal to a shot of whiskey. So reach for the sky and forget about all of your problems for a while. I'm stretching now. Number eight, rub your feet over a golf ball. You can get an impromptu relaxing foot massage simply by rubbing your feet back and forth over a regulation golf ball. Start with your foot hovering four inches or so above the ball and slowly work yourself up down to actually making contact with the dimples. Rub the foot of the ball onto the foot of the foot. Feel it release the built-up toxins that collect in your feet. An adult can hold over a pint of toxic juices produced by the body during times of stress. They collect naturally because of gravity into the feet. Just work the foot around those dimples until your foot is soaked in its own juices. Use a fresh washcloth to collect the moisture and wring it out thoroughly into the sink. Hang it out to dry in the sun later. The golf ball can then be used to help express the glands under the armpits. You can place the golf ball into your elbow joint. You can place the golf ball behind your knees. And lastly, place the golf ball under your chin. Don't forget a candle must be lit after this foot ceremony. Number nine, way. We got to reduce that stress, baby. Number nine, close your eyes. Take a quick break from the busy office or this chaotic household or wherever you find yourself. Roll a rink. It's an easy way to regain calm and focus. When you close your eyes, focus into the center of the darkness and see if you can see a glowing green or blue spot. It may look black at first. Keep looking. When you see the spot, concentrate on it until it accelerates towards you as though you were flying into it or it through you. This will allow you to cross the photonic gate at its core. Once you start to see signs of stress thoughts, they look an awful lot like spaghetti noodles that uh, have been twisted into a fractal pattern of, say, an octopus lowering his arms gently. You'll start to feel all the stress collecting near your bottom. It may feel like you're having a movement. If the arms of the octopus start to detach, you must abort this procedure immediately. If the octopus continues his dance, 
then you continue yours through the photonic gates. Number 10. Squeeze a stress ball. Now, in days when you want to strangle a coworker, or you're thinking about killing your family, you should squeeze a stress ball instead. This works for thoughts of mass killings or revenge killings as well. Instead of killing the hostages, put the gun down, find your stress ball. Take the stress ball in your right hand, or if you only have one hand or no hands at all, your feet may be used for the same purpose. Squeeze the ball with all your strength until that desire to kill subsides. Once the stress ball is used, it should be disposed of properly. Place the ball into any official U.S. mailbox. The Postal Service will take it from there. Number 11. Reducing that stress. Try progressive relaxation. Are you anxious? Well, just squeeze, release, and repeat. Progressive relaxation involves tensing the muscles in one body part at a time to achieve a state of calm. Start with the butt muscle. Squeeze it as though you're trying to stop a stream of urine from flowing out of your body. And release. Squeeze and release. Hold it for a few seconds. This will exercise your pelvic floor. Allow you to find laughter and joy and even the darkest hours of the soul. The pelvic floor muscle is connected to the jaw by way of the meridian vargus nerve. So chewing gum can be used to accelerate this process. Number 13, get yourself organized. Clutter contributes to stress. Sometimes taking a few minutes to reorganize your desk will solve everything. First, remove the drawers, remove everything from the drawers. Now, check for adjacent doors, adjacent doors or drawers to the right. If adjacent drawers are found, empty them at once. Sort all items by color and arrange them so they form the shape of a smile. Contemplate the smile. Contemplate it for several minutes. You'll feel a tingle as all the stress of the day escapes the body. Remove all the items that you arranged and dispose of them. Never use them again. Go through every drawer, both metaphorically and empirically, emptying, arranging, making pleasant shapes with the items before disposing of them. When you have nothing left, you will no longer be stressed and you will find total happiness. Number 15, eat some chocolate. You know, you owe it to yourself and the child inside of you to occasionally indulge in mass quantities of chocolate as well as other candies. 
You've got the money, the time, and the resources now to acquire this stuff. You would have killed for that. Chocolate, sugar, other delectable treats can cause stomach issues as well. This too can distract you from your stress. Chocolate, with its rich hormone analogs, well, after eating a quantity of chocolate, you may feel like a wild buck in rut. Women will smell those chocolate hormones wafting out of your body. You may want to bring a stick or perhaps even a paper sack. If you melt chocolate in a double boiler, you can pour it over potato chips. Did you know that you could put chocolate in a bowl and put that bowl in water and heat the water and then the chocolate will melt? This is called a double boiler. It's how you warm chocolate. Chocolate is malleable when warm. You can mold the chocolate into words. You can mold it into symbols. And this will spur your psychic healing. Meditate. Five minutes of peace. It's all it takes to reap the benefits. That's just two bouts of silent meditation a day. And with that, that'll provide the practice that your spirit needs to break those bonds that are holding you to this current incarnation. Meditation, along with various drugs, can cause altered states of consciousness. Sometimes we meet interesting entities that know how to laugh at us in such a way that it breaks down the prison of our own mental walls. One way that you can use to fight honey if you find yourself in a truck stop or convenience store, perhaps a supermarket, honey, honey eaten in large quantities can reduce stress. Pour the honey into your mouth, a lot of honey. Swallow it. Think about the honey nature of honey. Think about honeycomb. Think about honey bear. Think about honey baby, honey bunches. Let the honey do its work. This is you without stress. Talk to a good friend about Zen. Talk to a good friend about your favorite way to bake. Talk to a good friend about something that you will argue over. This is a good way to relieve stress. When I was a young man, I had a 50-pound sack of Legos that I would hold on my back and occasionally step on through a rug device that I had affixed across the kitchen. Those Legos into the foot, you feel that pain and then the creative spark of juices of that sack of parts on your back as you lay them out to build. It's impossible to be stressed or sad or even distressed while playing with Legos in such a fashion. Some of the smaller Legos are consumable, even though they try to dissuade you from doing so. It's a lot like Vic's Vapor Rub. You... I and the fence post, betwixt us all, we all know that Pat Boone had a recipe for applying Vicks Vapor Rub right in the back of the throat of his young victims. This would reduce stress, anxiety, as well as bringing a feeling of euphoria. 
perhaps it was actually a cold release. I think that's the cure for a common cold. But I hope that these methods, I hope that uh, that my breathing exercises, and I'm gonna I'm gonna give you one of those again. Here we go. That's what they mean by breathing when they're saying uh, do breathing. You concentrate on the breathing because breathing happens automatically. You don't have to concentrate on it at all. It's uh, it's like the snake in the Garden Eden. Your punishment will be to crawl on your belly for all the days. Well, well, that's what a snake does anyway. It's interesting. There's a lot of poetry in there. There's a uh, there's a book about understanding the imagery in it. It's not the it's not the type of text that. Uh, that you might be thinking, you might be thinking, oh, uh, that's got some kind of like recipes for Levant, or I've heard about that unleavened bread, the matzah. I've heard of matzah ball soup, for instance. These are all Bible adjunct situations. But the goal of all of it is keeping ourselves living, tolerating, and surviving. Well, bless you all. Live stress-free. Good day, sir. That's right. Living, tolerating, surviving. And if possible, I mean, if you can laugh even a little, that is some sort of, a, it's like a lever towards de-stressification. No, it's it, 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 the the stress thing is it's just so tricky, and uh, there were some wonderful methods delineated there. The incredible true facts of space and their researchers and their laboratories that they're just working all the time to better all of our uh, uh, capacities to tolerate and survive because uh, that that's really what it's all about: living, tolerating and surviving through these and whatever other times uh, fate and uh, providence might uh, toss our way, like random bones and treats or uh, objects thrown towards a dog, some of which, like the tennis ball, could be quite fascinating, and uh, others might not quite make it so much. But uh, yeah, we keep moving. And just the nature of stress, because, I mean, the rational mind knows, you know, you're either going to explode or you're going to get past whatever this is that is causing this uh, anxiety, tension, whatever. This this is going to pass. Uh, it might not be tomorrow or the next day, but, you know, that's the same thing as, you know, quitting cigarettes. Yeah, in your head you know that eventually something in your body is going to say, okay, I don't need a cigarette, but in the meantime, while you have that little voice screaming inside of you saying, I need a cigarette, I need a cigarette. Yeah, that's a whole other story. Uh yeah, we did the, the human mind did not come with a proper manual, uh, so uh, we're kind of winging it. And I think they're all. I think we tend to think 
that all these different models, some, what, 8 billion we're getting close to on the planet, uh, necessarily will operate similarly under similar circumstances. And that that's a fallacious and stress-inducing idea in the first place. While it is very difficult to countenance and wrap your mind around 8 billion individuals, and it's just humanity and people as a generic term, of course, that's really, but yeah. And then the stress, the stress in and of itself. Oh, yes, the stress in and of itself. Anyways, luckily, uh, I am not going to drivel uh, right here and now anyways. Perhaps it, it, it could happen. <laughs> Do not remove your protective gear, especially the helmet, until you are given the all clear at the end of this transmission. But in the meantime, uh, Sartori... Uh, I whoa whoa whoa, yeah. The, the Sartor, I guess Sartori is when you finally unravel it all. I mean, it really is like a, a winding up. Like you know, you have a toy with the little key, and you put the key in, and yeah, you wind it a couple times, and it just smoothly moves. But you get that spring a little too rankled up, and it's kind of extra jittery and jumpity. Yeah, there's there's a certain winding a certain amount of being wound and then if you're thinking in terms of actual words wound and wound are spelled the same uh ladies and gentlemen let's hand it over to frank nora i was recently reminiscing about uh, talk radio in the 1990s and especially bob grant um I was talking to one uh, this this uh, a neighbor about uh, talking about a bunch of different stuff, Rush Limbaugh, and then I said, "Oh, Bob Grant, remember Bob Grant?" And he didn't. I'm like, "How could people not remember Bob Grant?" But he really was only in the New York area and uh, didn't really get nationwide. And I guess you know this person may have been on the more of the left leaning side, so may not have liked listening to Bob Grant, who was more on the conservative side. Though I don't even know anymore, like. It's gotten so uh, so much more toxic than it was back then, but it was pretty toxic back then too. Um, but also, there were other there were other. So when I was listening to those talk channels, WABC, WOR, like uh, on, in uh, the New York area, there were the other guys that were on at night. I think this there was a guy named Barry Farber that was on uh, that I would listen to. He was on at night, and I remember he talked about something that he said was very important. And he tried to describe it, and it it really stuck with me, and it's a very important message. And I've tried to reiterate this this concept um, over the years on, on the shows. Um, this does have to do with how to de-stress. In a way, uh, and there's a few interrelated concepts that all relate to how our mind works, our cognition works, how we understand things. And it seems that there are some flaws or some blind spots in our cognition, our comprehension of things that cause stress, right? Be- because um, it makes things seem worse than they really are. So, 
even though this is hard to describe, basically it's that if you're in a certain mood, let's say you're in a really bad mood or you're really stressed out or you feel a kind of a despair because there's there are times when you feel like this despair, this feeling that every you know like things are terrible, everything's wrong with the world, right? It, it, it but you but at that moment, right? It feels like you're going to be feeling that way forever from now on, right? It, you can't imagine, oh wow, well in an hour I won't feel this way. In that moment of despair or whatever negative thinking at some level there's a flaw in um, cognition which makes you think that even though you know that you've gone through this before you felt this feeling of despair and yet the next day things were much better and you weren't feeling it anymore in in the midst of feeling it it seems like you'll always feel that way like from now on in your life you're going to feel this way though it's completely you know from past experience that that's not the case that these feelings and these sensations uh, that you have uh, ebb and flow and and there's a you know so you know it's not going to last on an intellectual level but on a perceptual level it seems like it's it's never going to go away and i've actually thought of that when i was in moments when i was experiencing that kind of despair which happens from time to time. It's part of the human experience. And I couldn't really understand, like, well, yeah, you won't be feeling this way tomorrow or two days from now. I couldn't really grasp that. Like, I, I, I could think the thought, but I wasn't really grasping it. So it's very strange, right, that we sort of feel uh, we're imagining that the state we're in now is the state we'll always be in. As I said, it's kind of hard to describe, but it's important to remind yourself in the midst of that that it will naturally change and flow. There's some aspect to the world where there's a flow to events. There's almost like an agitation, right, where you're never going to be stuck in one situation like that for too long. Now, this, of course, I understand people are in have more serious conditions, a, a clinical depression, whatever, where this may not be the case. But I, in my experience very much it would be very beneficial to understand in the moment that this is not going to last, right? But it's hard. Another related concept to that that's about stress that I've been noticing a lot lately, and, you know, I think my card game Flea Devil Solitaire helped me understand it a little bit. Um, in Flea Devil Solitaire, you know, you have to move cards around to make matches, and it seems like, oh, my God, once you start, there's no way I'm going to clear all these cards, but the idea is every match you make brings all the other cards closer together, right? So it, even though it seems kind of counterintuitive, it doesn't feel like it could possibly work, every match reduces the number of cards and brings all the cards closer together. So it reduces the amount of work. Every step of the way, you're reducing the amount of work, right? I just did the dishes, a very similar thing. You look at that sink full of dishes you're like oh my god this is going to take forever oh my god but not thinking and this again is a flaw in cognition imagine as I start doing it once I get a quarter of the way done there'll only be three quarters of the dishes that were there in the sink now the rest of them are in the dishwasher once I get to the halfway point wow half of them are in the dishwasher and I only have half left and if I looked at that 
half half the amount of dishes, it would seem like much less of a work, right? But I think that you don't think that. Like I see a big sink full of dishes and I'm imagining I have to do the dishes and that it will be that much work during the entire process. So somehow the um, the un- what you should know is that as if it's a series of steps, like there's 50 dishes in there, 50 items, whatever, including forks and spoons and lids and stuff, right? And everything you put into the dishwasher is reducing the amount of work you have left to do, right? But it, I don't think we think that. We, we sort of imagine it will just be, right, the whole amount the whole time, which it isn't. Again, I don't know if everyone has this, but I know I have to remind myself about that, right? Because it is like you have all this work to do. It's ah, so stressful. Um, and I think another related concept, something I, I just realized myself, right, that if there's a mess, if there's something that's it's it's like uh, a messed up thing or there's some crumbs on the counter or something, and you don't really feel like cleaning it up at the moment. Um, if you just clean a little bit, like just take uh, – like just – clear out a few of the, the larger crumbs, the whole thing will look a whole lot better. And again, it's kind of a related concept that you don't have to go all the way and clean the whole thing. And I think it is related to the other idea. Why don't I clean 10% of it and it's actually visually going to look like a lot better? I know this is sort of encouraging laziness, but I feel like, right, these some of these weird flaws or quirks of our of our perception and cognition cause a lot of stress right and um right so the idea that you're looking at it as a whole you're not able to sort of suspend in your mind the an image of the series of steps it's almost like uh the uh, our intuition about these things is is just there's some mistake or some flaw in in that formula in the way we think, right? And again, it's even with that first thing where right now you have the in totality of your feeling of despair, but, right, that's not going to continue on. I think they're all kind of related concepts. So that's just an interest. I, I find those useful, um, you know, things to think about and remember. But when you really get down to it, what is stress? What is anxiety? Are they the same thing? Um, it is a feeling of, well, it's very hard to define, right, to put into words, but it's a feeling of unease, which is sort of a synonym for stress. Like, it's just, how would we even des- describe it? That you could imagine feeling content and peaceful and good about everything you could imagine that uh but it we generally tend to feel anxious stressed out concerned upset about just the mundane things in life and you know i i sort of feel that way all the time i'm sure many people do i always feel kind of anxious and stressed out uh, there's times when I when I say well you know like I made it this far I, I'll be 55 years old in a few days and and I and I I made it to this point 
and like things are okay in my life. Like it's not like I somehow I muddle through. When you think about all the things you feel guilty about, all the things you're not doing, the email you didn't answer, the bill you didn't look at, and yet somehow over the course of days, weeks, and months, and years, like in aggregate, if those things were really that important, and and you're shirking your duties, so to speak, of addressing them, wouldn't there be greater repercussions in your life? But it all, those things all just kind of fade away. You deal with it eventually, or it wasn't that important in the first place. It almost, it sort of feels like there's all this stuff I have to do, and I'm not doing it right. I'm not living life right. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not doing it right, you know, but look around you, look at your fellow human beings. Are they doing, who's doing it better? Like everyone is sort of in the same boat, right? Yeah. That, that vague comfort that, yeah, I just, oh God, I'm going to be 62. It's like, they may, this, I'm already over the, this is all down. What, what, what are they going to, what, what could possibly happen? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and yeah, I've muddled through and I've made it this far and uh, yeah, it, it's almost like the consolation prize, you know, at the end of the game show where instead of winning, you know, $50,000, you're getting the rice uh and, you know, the, the kennel ration, whatever they used to give God on let's make a deal. Yeah, if you didn't win on let's make a deal back in the day you at least had that solace of the san francisco treat rice aroni can you imagine going to san francisco and going to a fine restaurant back in the day as an innocent sort of person and expecting them to have rice aroni because the flavor can't be beat oh my 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 but uh yeah, this whole just making it, and it, it's and look around. That that's, I mean, as bad as things can get for me. Yeah, you you look around and there's oh boy, there's always somebody in. I I have not yet been close to the top of the list of people whom I would imagine have stress and suffering. So then, at least for a moment, oh, 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 mine isn't so bad. Yeah, but you know how that goes. Back to Frank. And I was thinking about this um, this morning, actually, in the shower. Like, um, it it always sort of seems that you you sort of settle into this this balance of uh just a general kind of unease but you could easily imagine um feeling more content mo- most of the time or feeling more stressed out most of the time but it does seem that the feeling is sort of based on the tasks you need to perform right and how there's so many things to do, but you're not doing enough of them, right? It almost seems that we are, as humans, are settling into this state of balance where the, our general tone of life is is set a little bit to the slightly stressed out all the time feeling, 
right? But think about it. In your life, your life situation, your life decisions and the tasks you have in front of you, if they were just a little bit less, it seems like it would just ease the burden. And if they were a lot more, you would start to be like, well, listen, I can't do all these things. I'm sorry. I will just have to face the consequences. I literally cannot do all these tasks. What is going to happen to me? Right? Like, it just seems like weirdly we're in this weird balance between those two, which sets a tone for, for human life, at least in this time and place. It feels artificially set to that level. And I do think that there's a, a theory that I talked about, about human origins. And this is just a theory, but that, um, and this is a rather outlandish, but I, I'm sure you've come to expect that from me, that um, human, the origin of humanity is a genetic experiment, that there's another race of beings that are very similar to us called, for lack of a better term, Anunnaki. And they are just taller, more beautiful, more intelligent, more long-lived. The mad scientists amongst them uh, created a genetic, a genetically altered version of Anunnaki called human, which was uh, designed initially to be a, uh, a worker race, to be able to inhabit and colonize deep sub-dimensions that were otherwise inaccessible uh, to Anunnaki. So imagine an, an Anunnaki society, almost like you'd think of like hev- a heavenly place, like the gods and the, you know, like we think of the Greek gods and those palaces up in the clouds and living a life of beauty and art and engagement and wonderful things. So the task then comes up, you know, we need to, uh, there's these deep, heavy, dense uh, sub-dimensions deeply hidden in the multi-dimensional realm. And we want to kind of perhaps secretly um, colonize them and build buildings and roads and start mining for minerals and things. And uh, you might think that, well, they must have robots and technology, whatever, but if the task was something rather secret, how could you do this without the involvement of the general Anunnaki society and its infrastructure? So the idea here is that they would create, they could go themselves, the Anunnaki, and do the work, but they're not really suited to the environment, and they don't want to. So the idea was to create an offshoot race that were smaller uh, and more uh, and able to do the work, but without the support of the Anunnaki infrastructure. So they were designed to be very uh, retaining the intelligence and ingenuity of Anunnaki, but adapted for the, for living in these conditions. So these were going to be very dangerous places. There would be a lot of injuries and actually death from injury, perhaps even from disease in these unknown sub-dimensions. So the idea is that since um, it was so dangerous, you would be running out of people, out of humans, 
you need you need them to be able to reproduce very quickly. So they're the age where they're able to reproduce sexually has to be much younger, right? And they need to be able to reproduce a lot, you know, be fruitful and multiply. Anunnaki, I believe, do not age and do not naturally die of old age. So they, they looked at this situation, seeing that a lot of them would die from their injuries, but other ones would lose a limb, lose their eyes, and like have these terrible injuries, and yet not have, not grow old and die. They would say that, you know, <clears throat> there would be this growing number of uh, um, injured uh, uh, humans that you, that would have to that would take up the resources of the society, which would take away from the capacity for mining or building roads or building buildings. So that's why they built in death to guarantee that um, there would not be too much of a strain of the injured Anunnaki. Now you may wonder why didn't they build in complete. Uh, a complete system of regeneration. That is, if you lost a limb or lost an eye, you can grow a new one. That's a good question. I don't know. Um, so they also needed to, uh, you know, the idea is that they perhaps themselves would be inhabiting these beings, projecting their minds into these uh, humans. But if they knew who they really were and what their lives really were like in that wonderful place, they would be it would be an incredible strain and drain on them. So uh, some sort of cog uh, cognition cancellation or the ability to forget who you really are was built into the human. So you can, you, you can go in and perform this work and not really know who you are, right? And also, in order to direct them, humans need to be able to be mentally conditioned or brainwashed to believe things or... Um, so, so that you can have a leader and they can rally behind the leader and they can uh, um, <clears throat> right, be directed to build that road, m mine that ore, right? Uh, so this was the plot and the plan. And they did it. They created this offshoot race and sent them to these sub-dimensions and um, eventually it was found out by the larger Anunnaki society that this had happened and this experiment was considered objectionable and why did you do this this is horrible this is a terrible thing right so they they sought to they say listen we can't have this we're going to destroy all the humans and let's have no more of this genetic manipulation okay however s uh, some other anunnaki noticed that while this does seem very cruel and unusual and bizarre and terrible that they did this, that those that did project their mind in and were temporarily sort of uh, forgot who they really were and they lived a human life found that it, the life as a human had some value. It was a very different kind of experience than being an Anunnaki and it didn't last forever after all. So a few of them wanted to preserve humanity for this very reason. So this story is the flood myth we know from the Judeo-Christian Bible, right? And so many other sources, including the uh, this ancient Sumeria and the story of Utnapishtim and the Ark, which was written thousands of years before the Bible, apparently, that some humans were, were, were saved because of this unique thing. So even though these mad scientists, their work was kind of sloppy, 
and the and the whole thing was kind of horrific a certain quality of life that could be experienced as a human had value and then right a world like this the one we're in now was built as a, as as a constructed world for the humans to live in and the society and the scenario was adjusted to completely enhance the potential of living life as a human so whereas in the past it does appear that there's endless records of stories of humans and the gods the Anunnaki coexisting and living together as time went on those receded into myth all the gateways and passages into that other world were closed off to humans and there arose as a final stage in building this place there arose a, a, a material philosophy which defined a universe in which those gods didn't exist and humans were the only intelligent beings as this would um, uh, you know, maximize the scenario the, the environment for the reason that the humans were preserved which is that the quality of life you can has, have as a human is um, a unique experience difficult perhaps unpleasant at times but complete a very distinct from life as an Anunnaki and and so that is why our view of living on a, a ball floating in a cosmic void evolution and all these other concepts were introduced to eliminate the true origin of humanity to maximize the um, the quality of, of life as a human being Right. If you had the knowledge that you were this like fucked up little like dwarf that was like genetically manipulated, it would it would be kind of unpleasant to think about that, right? But the new scenario where all of the evidence and all of um, the story of the true origin is now uh, obscured, and this new philosophy takes hold, now living as a human being, even those that are religious and believe in some form of the creation, uh, the perhaps true creation myth, they don't really know. And they're, and I find modern religions like Christianity very vague when it comes to human origin. Oh, God created you. Well, what about the details? There's no details worth coming, you know. So that right there, the scenario I'm describing um, is why we're stressed out all the time, right? We, it was a sloppy job of genetic manipulation, but it works at some level, right? So the feeling stressed out and feeling like you can't accomplish all these tasks is one of the aspects of like the music of human life. Like if you think of a human life is a song, right? It's an essential aspect of the music to be stressed out and to be confused and unsure and all those other things, which, generally speaking, Anunnaki would not be stressed out. They're immortal. They live in a beautiful place, right? They can pursue all various arts and, and pleasures, right? 
So they're not, they don't have that, right? They, that's sort of, they can't be stressed out really like we can. But for us, our stress and our relief of stress is part of the music that makes the songs of our lives worthwhile, right? Which is not to say we shouldn't try to get past it, which is another aspect of the hum- a human song is that the idea that we could get to some point where we're not stressed out anymore, trying to make enough money or figure things out enough that we can lead an easy life, right? The, the uh, persistent thought that this is perhaps possible, those looking at everyone else, is it even possible, you know? Uh, there's a song by The Fix from their Walkabout album, which I think was 86. When you're feeling insecure, you treasure it. Oh, you treasure it. You should treasure that feeling of insecurity. As it is a treasure, perhaps. It doesn't feel like it in the moment. But to uh, take it to an even kind of a deeper philosophical level, um, some of the, uh, the the theories of the origin of this type of universe is which the Gnostics do um, adhere to and I think some other religious traditions do too is that there is an ultimate God the totality of everything uh, a one, something that is one and a complete entity that comprises all of the universe and that known as the monad in some that's one word that's used for it monad, one, mono uh, so the idea is this God, this totality, this monad decided to split itself up into subdivisions uh, in order to understand itself better or to have experiences or whatever. And um, so imagine that very first split, right? Um I think that this this concept, the way our universe was built, right, from that very first split, what does it even mean to be split in two? It means that part A doesn't really know, fully know part B. Otherwise, there wouldn't be a split. If part A and part B, that first split, completely knew the other side, it wouldn't be a split. It would just be the whole. So the act of splitting is cutting off from the whole and then into four and eight, you know, kind of like you see in the uh, the human egg forming into the embryo, that whole thing, and so on and so on, that a sense of stress, unease, anxiety is perhaps a reflection of the very method that was used to build this reality, Right? Which again, it's not to obviously it's not good to be stressed out, but but it might be unavoidable since that's how this universe was built in that theory. I I realize that my uh, discussion here could be causing more stress <laughs> anyway. Uh, but what are some? I mean, if you want to get down to the like uh, at a more practical level, how how like how do you de-stress? How do I de-stress? And I feel like I have. Um, Definitely a lot of personal strategies on how to de-stress. I think uh, one that's very common, and I certainly do a lot, is daydreaming. 
fantasizing, thinking about things as that could be or that might be in the future, right? Daydreaming, imagining things differently and how you could possibly get there. But this gets to the issue of daydreaming. Something I talk about a lot, but it's it's not a, it's think it's pretty obvious, but it's not a very it's not an intuitive topic, which is that right we're living in this world, this physical world around us, and yet at any given moment we're only in one place, we're only able to see one field of vision and hear the sounds around us, touch the things that we are very near and smell the smells that are around us and taste the things that are in our mouth, right? And think the thoughts that we can think. So how do we, in this moment, how do I know, like I'm just seeing my porch and the road and a car and a tree. How do I know about anything else? I have rebuilt and recreated inside my mind a complete model of the world. And I think that we're, we mostly live inside that model of the world in our mind, right? Which could never be a complete copy. It's always distorted and imperfect, that copy of the world we have inside of us. And so I feel that a daydreaming is, is a way of... Um, when we're faced with this situation and you know we're let's just take a step back we're thrust into a scenario where we are these intelligent individual beings that seem to be tied to one human body for for a lifetime we don't know what happens after we die and uh, we have to figure out how to chart our lives and what to do in our lives it's up to us to figure out what to do and uh we don't seem to ever be satisfied. Humans are never satisfied. We always want more. And so it seems that, and, and I think that either by design or by evolution, however you want to think about it, a, 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 a being like us that, that would just be content in the moment would be less likely to, to survive because we'd just be content, stay in one place and do one thing. Survival means um, spreading out and adopting different strategies and being able to handle whatever comes our way, right? I think that's why we're never satisfied. It's, it's a survival trait. Perhaps that original programming as I was talking about. Oh, yes. It is a, it, it, this is a crux of something because it is a survival thing. I mean, you put a human in this utopian existence and we just... Okay, think of the most pleasant... Ah, sensation you can experience, whatever it might be. Now imagine that that's how you feel 24-7. You'd get tired of it at the very least if it wouldn't start being really annoying and you'd want it to stop or go away. Um, we're wired, really, and it has to be a survival skill. Uh, there's just no I, I it, it's human beings if a, a, a little contentment in all those moments 
where everything is it did feel oh if, if it's you could just freeze it and live there just just it's this space and freeze time and that feeling for just yeah well the and some of us, you know, I think that's the, what they say is the crux of most drug addiction, chasing after that one, like they say, uh, heroin, that that first time you do it is the best it's ever going to be. And every time after that is this sort of almost but futile attempt. And then, of course, the addiction kicks in and uh, it's all off to la la land from there with the opiates and ugh. but uh, no we're not here I just, <laughs> that do I do not recommend unless you are extremely old I figure when I'm about 90 uh, if I have some sort of chronic pain opiates might be a possible solution but until then I'm, I'm saving them for when I'm older and can use them more responsibly. And, uh, yeah, and, and there's an end game in sight because otherwise I can't look forward. How, ooh, that's just not good. And, and I've really, I've did this Anunnaki story, legend, this mythic idea that Frank is building and has been building for all these years, uh, it's as likely as anything else, but it it really does. There is a quality to this existence, and we need this up, down to delineate experience and response or something. I mean, if it's it's oh, I feel for people where it's all terrible. But what happens is, I mean, even in horrible dungeons, is somehow. Uh, there's something in our we find these moments or something what human beings have survived through and then you know you look at you, you know, your my little stress over this that or the other no I'm not uh, chained to a wall eating gruel uh, with rats you know these these things aren't happening right now to me and I have the right to complain as <laughs> that whole Woody Allen thing starts to kick in now, doesn't it? So, so I think that we tend to our relationship, but the relationship between our internal model of the world and the external model of the world, I think that we can fudge it a bit. We can make the internal world seem a little bit better than it really is as a way of relieving stress and uh, relieving anxiety by daydreaming, essentially, and uh, allowing ourselves to indulge in an interior world that is slightly better than the real world. Now, this phenomenon, which I think is perfectly natural and healthy in a human being, if it goes too far, it leads to a condition known as narcissistic personality disorder, where your internal model of the world has diverged so much from the external world that you're essentially living in a you're living in a fantasy world and your behavior and your um, conduct you're you're acting as if that internal model which has now drifted far away from the real world you as if that was real and I have known many people that have really suffered from this uh, condition 
and uh, it's not it's not fun for the people around them. You know, and I recognize that in myself, but I admit it, I understand it, and I, I so I feel like like that old phrase, if you know you're crazy, you're actually not. Like if if you can recognize that in yourself and admit it, then you, you're you haven't been completely sucked down into it. So there's that in between space where things are getting a little dangerous. Your internal model is a little a little too far away from the real world, but it's still not past the point of no return, right? So daydreaming can be a great way to relieve stress, but it does contain that danger of going too far, right? But on a bit of a more mundane level, you know, what do you do to de-stress? Well, for me, a lot of it is, is video games, computer games, phone games. I play games all the time to, uh, to distract myself and to... Um, engage uh myself uh it's 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 it's, it's basically i remember starbucks had had an ad campaign a marketing campaign where they the word was the comfort of ritual right and that i think is ritual is a a big aspect of stress relief that is uh anticipating something that is pleasurable um for example coffee which starbucks is and by the way i don't I don't think I don't think I've had a Starbucks coffee in years at this point. I have no interest in Starbucks personally, but I do drink coffee every day. So coffee is a ritual that you can look forward to and it is a chemical substance that alters your mind and that is a big aspect of stress relief. Obviously, I was just smoking a cigar, drink coffee, drink alcohol and the other drugs like recently in the last couple of years I've been getting into CBD. That's great for stress. I mean CBD is a very misunderstood, but it is incredible for stress relief. Uh, and uh, I don't think people realize it. I've really, I mean, I've tried uh, the Delta 8, and that, that's totally different. The Delta 9 and the actual uh, THC from uh, cannabis, that's different. But just just CBD on its own, and I recommend a full-spectrum uh, full spectrum like CBD gummies or, or tincture oil, um, full spectrum, and it's like you know, thirty milligrams per gummy. You can take one or two of them, and I, I feel it has an amazing stress relief uh, aspect to it. But there's also that there's also the aspect of ritual, which I think the games, the video games, and I especially enjoy playing the card games. I currently play uh, Magic Arena and Hearthstone uh, pretty much every day. Pretty much every hour, <laughs> not not every hour, but the ritual of it and the pleasure of playing the games. It's and it's interesting because these games involve building these decks of cards and then playing a game against someone else. But it, the, all the games are different. The decks are different. The games are different, and it, so it's a very pleasurable activity. And anticipating it and doing it is a a great stress relief. There's a third card game that I also was playing. Runeterra, but it Legends of Runeterra, but I find that two card games these card games are expensive, they take up a lot of time, but also you can and t- like just today I w- I watched a, a a video which was a a previewing the next set called The Brothers War in Magic the Gathering. And it's so the card games allow you the pleasure of discovery of the new cards, anticipation, eventually be- being able to play with them and then the next set is being previewed which you know there's sort of this endless preview season with Magic the Gathering as it seems like recently they've been releasing almost 2,000 cards new cards a year over many many sets 
So I find that as a, a, a good uh, stress relief. There's also those little fiddle toys, you know, which I have a few of them. I don't really use them that much, but occasionally I do. Um, the uh, the beads, the Beglary, the those fidget spinners that were that were big for for a year or two, a couple years ago. There's a bunch of little things like that, I, and I know some people need them more than others. Uh, so I, I do find that interesting and try that at some point. And I think that also the uh, you know alcohol, which like my relationship with alcohol, I think is pretty fairly healthy. I I, I enjoy drinking, but I enjoy I only want an uh, an alcohol that tastes good. I love recently the mezcals. Of course, previously I was much more into the whiskeys, but good stuff that is a pleasure to drink. And then the the buzz you get from it, I don't ever really go to the point of getting drunk, blind drunk. But the ritual of it, I find very, very much uh, relieves stress. Um, but for me personally, it's doing this recording for the onsug. That is my ultimate stress relief. Uh, this is a ritual, you know, go, going through and uh, for, for my show, The Overnightscape, it's creating the show art, the other side, and then recording the show itself, which is sort of the ultimate pleasure for me and the ultimate uh, stress relief. So, and I'm doing it right now, recording uh, the central here. This is going to help relieve my stress. It is helping relieve my stress. Anyway, just just a few uh, perspectives on the, on de-stressing. Back to you, PQ. Yeah, there there is something. Well, it is a release to do these and it, to be able to express ourselves without. There's really no limits, which you know, and very shortly I will be. You should use that as a perhaps. Um, motivation to contribute here on the Overnightscape Central because that it really is. You, you no, but well, t- t- no judgment. There will be judgment, especially you know. I'm going to say something. It's agree, disagree, uh, bounce some ideas off of whatever. Um, but you get your say, and uh, that's that in and of itself is important because I am sure there are many who feel they have no place to have a voice. So your voice, here here we go. Um, I mean, I try not to... It would be nice, and there was a time when I felt that if I was motivated to I mean, it's just news commentary might be something. And I think I used to do quite a bit more of it. Uh, You know, when I used to do a more daily, like when Quakeversal Satellite was daily for spans of time. But today, you just, that's not any longer... I mean, it was bad enough I mean, back in the day, like Frank was talking about way earlier with hosts like Bob Grant and the very liberal. But I would listen to both. I mean, there were people like Alan B. Combs, who was very liberal. And he used to do a really... And then he became a conservative. Uh, just, just 
uh, mind-boggling. And then there were like the real footnote people like Gary D who came in from Chicago for less than a year. Uh, and all those uh, WOR and WMCA guys, Barry Farber, who wound up, I think, on WABC uh, with his... He was very liberal at that point, but I, I don't. The times change. I mean, all of these hosts. Although I don't think Bob Grant was ever anything other than very conservative. Uh, I don't think there was ever a point where I could have called him. Although he was for free speech in today's atmosphere, well, he would still be. Bob Graham. Oh, man, he used to scream at people. But uh, back around to, uh, like, and card I used to play Magic the Gathering, as I've said, up to around, I guess, Fallen Empires, which is still way early in the game's chronology. And when Frank said there's 2,000 new cards every year, some little, I'm, I, I mean, that's nice. If, if you can really, I mean, I used to follow any number of things and know all of this about everything, but that just sounds mind-boggling, overwhelming almost. Um, and let's face it, I, as, as a final note here on de-stressing, yeah, we all need to do more of it. We all need to find the pleasant things that take the edge off. But uh, I don't think stress-free humans on any long term are particularly possible. I think even if we are set up in quote-unquote stress-free environment, there's something in us that will almost devise things that will create that tension uh it, it's part of the experience in this plane at this tone or something for lack of a better term but uh, your thoughts coming back at us are always welcome as well as your participation because uh yeah next week Get your pen and paper. This is it. You're going to be here next week and uh, send us something and be part of the Overnight Scapes. I just know this is going to be the week. And, uh, well, next week on the Overnight Scapes Central, we are going to talk about football, baseball. Football, baseball. Well, it is sort of sports. And, yeah, what, 2016, I think, we had a show called baseball and cricket but football baseball let's see what we got going on in our heads it is that time of year i mean i think baseball's winding down football's winding up oh yeah it is this oh man this was a time of year uh, when i was much younger I, I would just this would be it boy this is the this is the excitement is building but yes uh, the uh, and how this all works well you, you got a good idea the deadline to be sure that your uh, contribution is included for the next show is October 11th 2022 uh, just, or even early on the following day there on the 12th you're pretty certain 
of being included. Uh, and you will be. You will be for football, baseball. And you'll need the email address, of course. And the email address is kpqr.torc at gmail.com. I repeat, kpqr.torc at gmail.com. Now, give it a try. Um, it's just... I have yet to reject anything, and 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 a little be the new blood, be the new blood, and uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, and uh, tell us about football, baseball in your uh, existence, and how that works, um, and uh, that's that's if we got a Frank, we we got a Frank, we got to thank Frank and Chad and Chad and Frank for uh, their. Uh, joining us and their the Chad's amazing plethora of ideas and Frank's deep thoughts. I mean, there's a lot there. I'm still unpacking all the way around. I, I hope you had fun here, and uh, yeah, that's what it's all about. So, uh, with that in mind, thanks, thanks, thanks for being here. And uh, until we meet again, set the controls for the heart of the fun.